You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. So hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Changing Reality. We're so excited to have you all here. And today's episode is something that is extremely special and that is going to be extremely enlightening, especially for all of you who are in the entrepreneurship and tech lines and the media line as well. So not to give anything away for all of you who are new to Changing Reality, welcome one, welcome all to our show. My name is Harsha, I'll be your host. And Changing Reality is a show that features phenomenal people from all walks of life who are in essence changing their own reality. So through the show, we'll be hanging out with all kinds of phenomenal human beings from entrepreneurs, change makers, business owners, to even artists, musicians, and inspiring individuals who lead their industries, are thought leaders in the places that they are from across the world, and many of them who have spent some time here on the Penn campus too. So by hearing these inspiring stories of how they're changing their careers, the world around them, impacting those in their communities, hopefully we will be able to get a little bit of their snippets of wisdom and implement it in our own lives so that we too can find out how we can have careers that are not only meaningful to us, but also give back to the people around us. And I wanted to do this show simply because I feel like there are a lot of people out there who do phenomenal things and make waves in the lives of people around them. And I'm also super passionate about learning how these people are changing the world in their own capacity. So personally, I actually founded and run a youth movement called Ascendance in Malaysia, which is where I'm from, that collaborates with not only our Malaysian Ministry of Education, but with over 28 different countries across the world to help provide an alternative education platform for any student who wants to change their reality. So we work with students from elementary to high school through various sessions, programs, experiential learning activities, and projects that help them discover their passion, learn about themselves and the world around them, and start their own careers while they're still in school that creates meaningful impact. And to date, we've been fortunate to work with over 35,000 students from 970 communities, and they've incubated countless number of student-run projects and social enterprises run by students aged 8 to 25 years old. And the basis of all that impact that we've managed to create is stories. Stories and experiences from people who have done it before, who have achieved phenomenal success, and are willing to come back and speak to those who may not have uh, ever thought that they could do the same. So similarly, I hope this show has that same impact to each and every one of you listening so that you can hear the, the, the things that you need to actually start your own career, start figuring out what you love and see how you can get there. So without further ado, if you have any questions, you can always drop it in the chat. Let us know if uh, for future sessions what you want to know about. But many of you have been interested in the world of tech and entrepreneurship. And if you are, and even if you aren't, you are going to be amazed by today's speaker. Because today's speaker is someone who personally inspires me and many of our uh, friends here um, behind the scenes because she's someone who has led Microsoft's presence with startups in the East. And not only that, is a seasoned media and technology executive and entrepreneur. She has a breadth and depth of experience across high growth startups and as well as the world's largest enterprises, um, which is a truly unique thing to have. So she's worked with companies such as PwC, IBM, the Walt Disney Company, Unilever, um, the Inter-American Development Bank, and so many more at senior levels. And as a founder and CEO of her own web startup, Honestly Now, she was named one of Forbes' top 10 female entrepreneurs to watch. She was also the first employee to launch the first commercial television network in post-communist Europe, which was the most successful station launch at the time and is a phenomenal TEDx speaker that has also blogged for the Huffington Post and Rotors. And if you actually check the uh, Daily Pennsylvania website, you'll be lucky to see some of her early articles as well, because she's also, she also has a dual degree, um, an MBA and MA from the Wharton School and the Lauder Institute, and was also a bachelor's student here at the University of Pennsylvania as well. Today, she's an executive at Microsoft responsible for senior relationships with partners and top late stage VCs and has brings over 20 years of global experience in technology, startups, entrepreneur, enterprise innovation, strategic partnerships, and so much more um, to, the, to her work. So without further ado, let's invite our amazing speaker today. Put your hands together for Teresa. 
So hello. Hi, how hello are there. you? Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As I said, it's an honor to have you. I hope you're having a great day so far. Is the weather all right? Sun on your skin? Or I think now it's a little colder. So We're good. We're good. I'm in the New York metro area, and it's, it's a little chilly but sunny. We're good. All right, all right. So New York, not too far off from Penn. And as one of, I think, Penn's most distinguished alumni, it's an honor to have you here on the show with us. And you are someone who, as I mentioned, would not just did your MBA, but if I'm not mistaken, your bachelor's degree here at Penn as well. So with all of this success and all of the amazing things you accomplished, I have to know before we even start this interview, did you know all of these things were going to happen to you back when you were a student here at Penn? Or were you just as lost and confused as the rest of us? I was super lost and confused. You know, I have a, a daughter who's a freshman in college right now going through her first semester. And I was like, all that confusion, I, I share it and then more. Um, no question about it. Um, yeah, it's super, super, super confused. Um, so there's hope for the rest of us still. All right. No question. In fact, I'd say if I can do it, anybody can. Honestly. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's that's nice yeah. to know. Tell us a bit about maybe your time, um, a little bit before Penn and like why you chose Penn, like grace us with your presence in a sense. Um, I know that you are someone who um, uh, is actually from Czechoslovakia uh, and, uh, and like you actually have parents who were extremely talented. I think your father was an engineer, your mother worked at the National Theater there. And in another interview, you actually quoted saying that they were the kind of like or, original creative makers in that space. And how did that kind of influence you into like picking your degree and like deciding what you wanted to do at that point? So it was, goodness, you've really done your research, I have to tell you, because you're like remembering, I mean, you're coming up with stuff that I, I think most people, uh, it's, it's a pretty deep background. Um, so I was born in the US, but my parents were political refugees from communist Czechoslovakia. So like, they literally escaped, you know, and, um, and so I grew up with a teeny tiny, I mean, almost, almost barely no community, you know, very little community, uh, cultural community, because it just was a rare time for, for people to emigrate. And then they tended to be um, quite dispersed. And the other thing is that my parents weren't actually, my father was like Hungarian from Slovakia. My mother was a Czech from Prague. So it wasn't even monolithic, like within that. Um, but what was clear was you know, they had had great uh, careers and had been very ambitious there. And then those ambitions had been really just massively stifled. And I, you know, I think both of them just wanted to be able to do more and they felt, you know, very, very limited. Um, so they came with like nothing and growing out of the first, um, uh, that's our first child. And, you know, everything was on the table, like every conversation, all the expectations, it was very forthright. Um, but at the same time, I think that um, being part of that type of family also lends you, in a way, a cluelessness that can be pretty helpful. So I think that, you know, for me, doing well in school, do, you know, being involved in tons of stuff and whatever was not something to be questioned. It was, it was absolutely like expected, you know, like, oh, you got straight A's. We expect that. Um, but, um, but actually my path to Penn was um, a little bit different or, or funny because, um, so you can't see me on, on video, but I'm five foot 10, five, 10 and a half. I'm a tall, um, tall woman. And um, in sixth grade, I started actually playing volleyball. Um, and I'm actually not a very talented athlete, I would, I would say, but I do work very, very, very hard and um, became a really good, a quite good volleyball player. And I wound up being recruited for volleyball by Penn, which was the, they, the Ivy League um, champions at the time. And 
I was interested in a city school. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be at a university where everything was possible so that while I figured myself out, wherever I would land, I could do well. So, um, so, so actually, um, you know, I, I had the great, amazing, you know, blessing of being recruited and came for, you know, a trip and I was part of a unit, you know, from day one. Um, I'll say that when I, and I applied early. So like, as soon as I visited Penn, I knew it was for me. I applied early decision, got in by December 16th, got the good news, put on my sweatshirt and like never took it off. Right. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, never, never, never looked back. Um, so, I, you know, also going in in fall, it is the volleyball season. So you go in for a preseason and then you're, you have practices like all the time and then you're traveling for, you know, so, so stepping in, um, as a freshman athlete for a fall season is, um, is a pretty wild ride. And so in certain ways, I feel like I was extremely present for that. And in certain other ways, I think I was not as present on Ben campus as, as maybe, um, you know, freshmen who are, you know, um, able to fully absorb that freshman experience, let's just say. And then it evolved from there. Um, so um, I, I stopped playing volleyball at the beginning of my junior year. Um, and a lot of that was because I, I had an injury, um, but also I really was feeling like so much was happening at Penn around me that I didn't have time to engage with. And so that's when I started to write for the DP and I did costumes for bloomers and I did just like a whole range of stuff really actually indulging um, my artistic side, which was very strong as well. But coming into Penn as an athlete that hadn't been part of my profile and I didn't realize how much I missed it until um, I spent, you know, a, a couple of years uh, being, being a, an IV student athlete um, for, you know, pretty intensively. So No, I think that that's absolutely amazing. And I think you definitely reach out to so many of like, like the students that I know, at least my friends who like are probably going through something similar where they came in for like one thing that they were really good at, but then they realized that I don't really know what I like, or I don't really know like what direction I'm heading in. So let me try all of these many things. And um um, like as you mentioned, you were part of so many different things at Penn. How did you finally decide on like what you wanted to focus on and what you wanted to do moving forward? I think you became a reporter after your time at Penn. So like, was that something that as you got into it, you decided, you know, what, this is for me, or was there still some area of like uncertainty that you had? Oh, there was a ton of uncertainty. Um, so I think, I, I think I did in in a certain way bring. I think at the time I thought I was missing some things that other kids had, but decades later I can reflect and say, maybe I had some things that they didn't, but I, you know, so it looked like it was um, throwing <laughs> you know, spaghetti against the wall to see if it would stick. But um, you know, it was like early nineties and I was in the college, I wasn't in Wharton. So it wasn't as prescribed a career path. I was really interested in media and entertainment. I had no family connections or other zero, like absolutely nothing other than like people that I might meet through a professor at Penn or, or, or whatnot. So like zero guidance and just, you know, started to, I tried to just like jump on opportunities that were put in front of me at Penn. Um, and what I was going to say is as a kid of an immigrant, you know, and especially as the oldest, everything that you do, you're doing for the first time within your milieu. So that's where I say, I think I had something that I didn't really realize was a skill, but now I look back and I think that really was, which is stepping into something where I have literally no clue and giving it a try. <laughs> and um, so for me doing that motion, is neutral to whether it's a well-established motion or a motion that doesn't exist yet. So um, in that context, 
if I would, let's say, look at job postings through the Career Center, they seemed pretty boring to me. And I felt like if I went up against, I, I didn't feel like I would really differentiate in those. I, I didn't even know what to say. I didn't know anybody who did those kinds of jobs. And they just didn't light me up, to be honest, you know? And also like, it was a bad economy. I had very good friends from Penn that were taking like telemarketing jobs and stuff like, like it was, it was not a bright time. So I, I figured, okay, well, if there are no opportunities being served up to me, then why don't I look for something that's cool and then figure it out? Like just why, why wait for someone else to prescribe, you know, this thing to me, then I'm beholden to them. So in my um, spring of my sophomore year, that was when, um, or actually November of 89 was when Eastern Europe completely changed, right? You know, the Berlin Wall fell, things opened up. I wound up getting to go to the Czech Republic with my mother for the first time, for her first time ever back. Um, that had been since she had left 21 years before and arrived at this place that was so beautiful and vibrant and amazing, but it had these like co cobwebs around it. And my view was this place is going to be incredible. Like this is an undervalued gem. It was just so obvious to me. So I, I felt very strongly that I needed to come back after graduation because I didn't want to miss whatever thing was going to be going on there. I didn't want to miss it. Now at the same time, I was working, I was um, a communication major out of Annenberg and was taking some really um, interesting courses around I mean, now it's going to sound trite, but at the time it was like, there's this thing coming. It's called the internet. It's, you know, like they're laying cable, you know, fiber optic cable, blah, blah, blah. France has the mini towel and we're so far behind France. <laughs> I mean, it's like hilarious to hear it now. But at the time I remember, you know, hearing, let's say lobbyists from DC and technical people and all different kinds of folks talking about how this thing was going to be coming. And I was listening to it going, Wow. So in Central and Eastern Europe, where they sort of missed everything for 40 years, they can just build it new. And that is going to, there's got to be opportunity in that. So for me, sort of taking these different things that I had some unique either background or insight in um, really started to get me going. So this is a long way of my saying my, like my switch really turned on in November of my sophomore year and into the spring of my junior year, where just, a, I'll call it a thesis area or a topic area just really bit me. And I didn't know what it was exactly, but I knew where it was. I knew energy was going to be happening. And, um, like my mother used to always say, go where the action is, go where there's growth. And so like, I knew there would be growth. My check wasn't great at the time. It was okay. But Penn actually offered a course in check, you know, so I could get, you know, improve that. And, um, uh, and there, there were a bunch of students who were geekily interested, you know, in the same thing. Um, so, I just just started to see what I could find. You know, I figured even if my check wasn't great, it still would be better than most people who had zero. <laughs> you know, that's right. um, okay. Good point. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's been a mantra for me, generally speaking, especially as an oldest and as an immigrant. You know, it's like, well, you don't need to be perfect to start something, but if you do start it soon or sooner than other people, then just that lead time gives you an advantage. You know, and the sooner you know if it's good for you or not good for you, or it may have more like wind behind your back, then you can double down or you can get out. So I think there's like a lean startup type of thinking that was kind of baked in from my upbringing um, that later on when people wrote books about it, I'm like, yeah, totally. You know, that's, that's what I've always done. No, no, I really like that perspective. The, like, as you like i'm not even from the us so I, I feel like i'm relearning everything like the first time like when like being at penn and like figuring things out so i can definitely relate to that and like i, I like how you kind of like contextualize that as like an advantage is something that made you you and like 
honestly that that's just like i think warms my heart to hear you you did end up being a reporter like traveling the region um, i think i mentioned earlier during the intro you were actually one of the first few people uh who, who was part of the the first national commercial tv network in in the area that is extremely exciting and like very like like i think it's something that most people can only think or like dream about like having that opportunity yeah, so like, i didn't even dare to dream about that so so let me tell you like how that actually if may i i, I don't want to no go ahead please that, that's a crazy like, story I probably cry, you know, so. so it's like i knew that there was a boatload of stuff that was being built and interesting you know whatever and I was kind of like, okay, well, what do I bring to it? I mean, I'm just a recent pen grad, you know, with a communication major. <laughs> like, who cares? Um, but actually, I was like, I'm good at writing. I'm good at going and meeting strangers and finding out information. You know, I'm good at sussing out a complicated situation, you know. And when I say I'm good at meeting people, you know, and, and you were impeccable in your research. Like my dad was an engineer. My mother was in, she did sort of like theater and then she was in real estate for many years and she was basically in sales. And I was like her assistant in her small business and, and stuff like that. So I, I had very base, like raw skill and hustle. So I figured like, if I go to a place where tons is happening, and I get in front of people, I figure out, like I talk to them, I become helpful. If I can write effectively or connect people effectively, at some point, like a brick is gonna fly and hit me in the head and that will be an opportunity. Like, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I know there will be flow of opportunities. So that thesis was correct. And I will say that that has always borne itself out in my life. So like get to where the action is because um, people aren't judging you when you're that early because no one knows what they're looking for exactly. Right. Um, so with the, so I was, oh, and, and then I was like, but I need to make money. <laughs> um, so since I had written at the DP, um, the prog post at the time was taking in, you know, stringers to write stories. And I was like, I'll do business stories. They all wanted to do culture and politics. I'm like, I, you know, I had taken a bunch of Wharton courses. I'm like, I, I, I could totally write about business and, um, just started getting on like a whole bunch of stuff. And it was, a, well, a few learnings, you know, one was a, I was good at meeting people and at writing stuff and analyzing. Number two is that journalism pays nothing. <laughs> and I have of taste so i was like okay this was like a you know it was a great way to meet people but it helped me realize like pretty quickly that it wasn't what i wanted to do forever and when i would talk to various business people i'd be like oh my god tell me more tell me more like i was so interested in what they were you know working on and and actually when i was a the a communication major as you know undergrad i did take a bunch of as many, I maxed out on like the number of, of Wharton courses that I could take without getting a, you know, you couldn't minor without getting a degree. And I'd gotten all A's in them. So I, I did have a feeling like that there's probably more um, for me in business than I um, had given myself credit for. And in the Wharton and finance defined, in the narrow definition, I may not fit in that narrow definition, but in a broader business perspective, I actually like bring a lot to the table. Um, so, so at any rate, um, I'm interviewing people and I'm hearing of opportunities. And I heard that there was a, a television license that was going up for tender um, to launch the first commercial television network in Eastern Europe. And I wound up talking to multiple entities who were bidding for it. And then one of them bid and won it. And I got the first call because they were like, well, we have this, you know, the general director, like he's ready to go, but he needs an assistant. Um, and, and this other person was like, and I need an apartment. And literally she's like, can you help me find an apartment? I'm like, yeah, I can help you find an apartment. But what about that assistant job? And and so <laughs> the next day I'm like in an interview with the with the general director, and then they they hired me. I was the first employee, 
my grandmother died suddenly I had to go to Germany and then like come back again. So technically my ID said I was the fourth employee, but uh, I could never have imagined it, you know, but in nine months we launched the first commercial television network in Eastern Europe. And being so being this like first strike, it was enormously successful. Um, six months, in, about five to six months in, I moved into advertising sales and helped to build that function under the leadership of, a, of an experienced guy from the US who had um, built um, built uh, ad sales networks. So um, the way I said to you before, I was good at writing and I could I could write and I could think. Um, the other thing was I just I had kind of always had experience selling or helping my mom sell. And so when these folks were advising me on like what I should do, I wasn't going to be an assistant forever for this for this you know startup network. Um, I would ask everybody that came through, you know, what's the career path? And I'd be like, what's the career path to the top? Like, so if I want to be CEO of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just asked the question and they'd go, well, in television, there are two ways. One is through content programming and the other is through sales. And most of them be, are, are through sales. And then they'd say to me, and you're a natural, you know, salesperson. So it's funny. I kind of, in a way as a pen person and, a, you know, like a pseudo intellectual was like, well, I'm too smart to sell, but I guess if that's my way in, then I'm going to sell. And um, yeah, like I sold the first sponsorship ever in that part of the world um for for commercial it was the largest it was like it turned out i i was really it was it was a really good fit um for me and it also was at the intersection of corporate as well as startup so mm -hmm. i think it was the um the positive thing was like i found this amazing thing and then it was successful i mean it was just like a an incredible like story um I certainly didn't know about it when I was looking for it. On the other hand, when it happened, I think, you know, and then my career moved forward and moved forward. I've perpetually looked back that that was such a defining moment for me because now 25, 30 years later, that's what I do. The intersection of corporate and brand new stuff. And let's figure out how to bring it to scale and let's, you know, uh, uh, both be cognizant of the complexities of stuff, but at the same time, like bring that, let's try this thing, you know, um, kind of, um, kind of mindset to it. So I feel very, you know, lucky, but I, I, I definitely put myself in that situation, you know, packed the backpack, had no money, was eating, you know, noodles for a few months while I was writing, you know, news copy. Um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy ride. And I can, I can just imagine you doing all of these things. And I think that's just a testament to your character of how you, you made it work, like from not having an idea, you're like, I'll follow the action. I'll do, I'll meet the right people. And you, you just constantly look forward, which is, which is crazy to think about. And I think, I mean, I did try to bend reality in my own way. And I, it's funny that you're, you're called changing reality, you know? So it's like, I would, I'd be like, okay, so this is the current situation. I know that this cannot, you know, yeah. Yeah. As it is. Yeah. And I know that in the future, this alternative state will exist. And we don't know exactly what that state is, but there are some things that will definitely need to happen. So let me be part of, let me dock into that. And, and, and then, so yeah, people afterwards be like, oh my gosh, you bend reality to it. And I'm like, that's just because if you're, if you're one of the first people in the next reality, you can, like you can shape it. All right, you're definitely the perfect speaker for this. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you, like, you just lived up to the name better than I think like anyone ever has. And Aww. like, I, and, no, I'm serious. Like, like you literally started like news in an entire region. If that's not changing reality, then I don't, I don't know what is. And like, you, I, I also loved how you kind of like brought in all the pieces to that whole intersection between the corporate, like the whole large established corporates and the new startup thing. That is something that, and I liked how you mentioned earlier about kind of like as when 
when you when you're in some place that's new or even just like like for me like I, I kind of relate to that whole being the child of an immigrant and having like a like this experience from not big corporate business like but at the same time having family that's entrepreneurs or like in small businesses and running a small business and getting all the skills from there and then figuring out later that oh my gosh these skills can actually be applied like at, at so much at like a completely different level that I would have never thought about and I think like bringing that into when I got like into pen and then I realized that oh my god like I did not know that this this thing that was called business that we used to that we that's been such a big part of my life is now called entrepreneurship and has like so much potential mm -hmm. after you you got all of these experiences and you went on and you changed reality halfway across the world you came back and you did kind of like an MBA at Penn was it kind of like how for you how was it like kind of like marrying that that real practical experience of starting something completely new and then coming back and learning the established part of it like what's already going on right now at a different part of the world like how how did you process it was that? hard it was hard for me i mean i think it was like you know you're deep sea diving and then like you come up fast and then you're like, you know yes. compress or whatever um get used to the oxygen levels um i knew that i had had an incredible and unique experience i didn't know how to put it in the language and understanding of the broader world. It was something that none of them had ever heard of. There was, it was, this was pre-internet, right? So like maybe someone heard about it through whatever, you know? So, so I walked in as I think most people walk into like a Wharton MBA program, you know, at once, like, thinking I'm incredible. I did this thing. <laughs> and then on the other hand, you look around and everybody is so so amazing at what they do and it's not what you do and it's incredibly humiliating or humbling let's say it's called humbling um and and i was like for sure i wasn't a cookie cutter wharton mba i mean like at all so um and also actually now that i was back at penn so i, I think one thing was like it was really nice for me to come back to penn because i felt like after this you know, I'd sort of like come in as an athlete thing. It was nice to get into pen of my own sort of business volition, you know, that. And also it was like a reboot at Penn. Like, okay, so now that I'm a new person at Penn, who am I? And I, you know, auditioned for the for the Follies and then I became the creative director and all of this stuff. And it was like the alternative personality of who I wasn't um, when I was an undergrad. And that was just something I was dying to do like I just really wanted to flex those muscles um again with the changing reality but go ahead and yeah yeah that's right that's exactly right um so but you know there there were, and also like entrepreneurship and like almost very very few people I mean I could count on one hand the, the number of people that had come from startups so it was it was really unusual. It was really different, but it was just before Web 1.0 was going to be happening. So I think at that time, my goal was, I don't fully understand what I just went through. So as much as I also want to sort of make my background official and understandable to other people, I want to understand, yeah, I want to understand what I did and how, why it matters and 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 that kind of stuff and and kind of make myself corporate ready you know rather than someone that came in from a small place that no one has ever um heard of um yeah also if i could be honest like from a cultural perspective um to say like oh i was the first employee of the first commercial television like it is a fact but i did not feel culturally um comfortable saying that or talking about myself that way and especially if it's an experience that only you know about because it wasn't in the press or if it's not a, a brand name the onus is on me to explain it and like the culture i grew up in you don't that's you don't do that you know and also if you're a female it's even worse so that was a struggle for me big time as well. 
-hmm. I definitely see that. And I definitely see the reasoning of going to Penn and the amazing things. But like that, like read, like going to this MBA program, it seems to be like a pivot in your career as well to kind of like, as you said, entering the corporate world. Um, you went on to do like absolutely, I think, insane level of like <laughs> corporate, like um uh, like corporate engagements you were for some time I think at uh, the Walt Disney Company and then you were directed at um, PwC which again is absolutely crazy and you seem to be to have gotten this niche of like being a director of strategy and I'm going to be honest I think that's something that, that is really tailored to like like the organization that you're in so it's not something that like like every organization is unique and special so but it comes with having like the skill of being able to see that and put that into like like into perspective. How is it for you now stepping into this corporate world, uh, having had a little bit of a different experience prior to that? So working like very much with things that are new and now coming into very established companies that will probably already have their set ways of doing things. So, so this is now I'm going to get like very specific to what I've learned over time and, and just my, my business philosophy. Um, and my strategy philosophy, because I was very into strategy, very good at it, but, and, you know, did the management consulting things. So I really wanted my chops to be outstanding. However, um, I also lacked patience. Uh, sorry. Yeah. I lacked patience with the, like, and here's the binder, you know, um, and at the same time, I had come in with this sales background, which most of the consultant peers like didn't have. So there were two things that were that it um, poised me for at that time. You know, one was that when I was at a client, um, I was in real problem solving mode at a high level because I had done that in my previous job. And when you're in new places, you do have junior people talking to super senior people and, and whatnot. So I had, I had done a lot of that. And then, so I could see if there were like consulting opportunities that maybe could be sold, you know? And so I think that um, in addition to being someone who could like deliver good projects, they also saw me as someone who could like really get in there and find opportunities. And, and I just couldn't help it. It just was the way that I operated. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, I mean like with, so, then moving on, let's say to, you know many, many, many other other things. What you know, and and now I do really strategic partnerships. You know, in tech, people can go. Well, what does that mean? Um, the, the the common thread is if you can put two pieces together that you know peanut butter and chocolate, the Reese's peanut butter cup. That you know, it's really easy to bring them together. People might not have thought of, but then once you do, you have something that is. So so much more and particularly if within that peanut butter chocolate thing you can unitize it with an actual deal that outsiders can look at they it has a number attached to it like it has revenue attached it has people got sales credit for it it did deploy technology it did do this that and the other then it gets attention and people get inspired by those case studies. So, so my view on both strategy as well as on building businesses and partnerships is do think hard about the strategy, but then think equally hard about what's that pilot version that you're going to do and freaking crush it on that and learn as much as you can de-risk it as much as possible, you know, so that at minimum, you're going to learn a boatload. No one's gonna get egg on their face or anything. Like it's 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 truly a playground. But if I can construct a really innovative, different deal that literally requires no cash, but people throwing in like their in-kind stuff, and then that has a 10x return, everybody pays attention. You know, so like then I don't have to whether the <laughs> and and that by the way, like whether they're a fortune one company or a teeny tiny startup that's pre-revenue, everybody wants the revenue. So they're like, why wouldn't I participate? You know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So whereas before I would sort of see a situation and I would write an article about it and publish it. Or then in consulting, I would see a situation and I would study it and then I would like write a strategy about it. Now what I do is I look at the situation, I talk to people, whatever, and then I figure out like, well, what can I pull together that is a, what I call, or what we, we call in tech, a canonical deal, like a deal that it's number one and then people can look at it and be like, okay, this prototype deal, can we do more of them and how, and then turn that into a machine. Um, so yeah, I mean like that, that may have been a long way of explaining it, but just my, my, my stock and trade has been, can we combine a customer, a technology, a market, a, a pivot point, you know, like a need that, that can happen in this time bound thing with you know a start and an end point and then we can look at it and see what happened then um it's hard for people to say no to that <laughs> you know i really like i'm just going to be honest i'm going to rewatch this interview and it's done and just like write down everything that you said because you're right like 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 you you are really really good at putting that into context and really like like making me think about it like a lot better so a lot for me to think about and I think the audience who is really interested in like figuring stuff like this out definitely wants to like 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 know more about that but you also spent some time after that as an entrepreneur yourself right mm -hmm. I think like um, you started this I think which I think is an amazing idea it's called honestly now if I'm not mistaken and it was kind of like this Q&A platform to help people make brilliant decisions with the help of experts, which is an amazing concept. How, how did you go about using all of this knowledge to kind of like start your own startup, start your own like out, like project and like run it in a way? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to weave in my life, you know, some things that were yeah. happening in my life at the same that, time yeah. because that's like, it's become more normal for people to do that. But when I was doing it and sharing the story, it was not something that people did. So I, I think it's important to provide the different, you know, vectors. So at the time I had been at PwC for a long time, um, had loved it. I was like ready to go all the way, become a partner, et cetera. But then they sold the consulting unit to IBM. They weren't, I wasn't gonna be able to stay with it for whatever reason. I stayed with PwC, which was cool, ran strategic planning for them. But then that opportunity sort of was gonna end and do the non-compete with IBM, there wasn't going to be an opportunity for me to continue doing strategy with, with PwC. So I could have gone down the partner path around risk, but I didn't feel that was who I am and you know all of this kind of stuff. So that so there was some disruption that was happening there. And also I had my first baby. Oh. Okay. Well, congrats, late congrats, but congrats. <laughs> She's in college now, so we're good. <laughs> um, now, also, my father, who was quite a bit older, was very sick and he was dying. And um, so there was a lot of that, like, parental care happening. And, you know, as someone from, like, an immigrant family and stuff like that, like, you know, you have no other, it's just you, you know. And if you have a sibling or whatever, like, we had no cousins, no, nobody else, you know, around. So, um, so, so I'm juggling, like, this career change thingy was happening and I knew I wanted to get into more entrepreneurial stuff and I was applying for jobs at internet kinds of things that were like strategy person. But um, I was being well paid at PwC and I didn't really have, the right thing like didn't come up. And also, uh, you know, so much was happening in my personal life that it just wasn't like lining up. So I had a huge chip on my shoulder that Web 1.0 happened and I missed it. And if anyone should have been part of Web 1.0, it was me because I did Web 0.0. You know, I did like it was exactly the people I'd worked with that had jumped into, you know, Web 1.0. So um, so I felt very much like I, that was what I wanted to do, but I wasn't really acting on it. And then um, quite suddenly my mother died. This was very unexpected. So dad died and then she was diagnosed with a tumor like months later and she died very quickly. So suddenly I had no more, and I have a sister, but she had gone back to Europe. So I, I was like the last person in my immediate family here. And with a, 
you know, married with a baby, I knew I needed to work and also I wanted to work, but I just felt this really acute case of um, time is limited, you know? And also I felt like I was at an inflection point where either I was gonna truly double down on my career or if I exit, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think at the time people were like, oh, well, if you know, I'm a Wharton person or if I'm whatever, so if I leave, it's gonna be easy for me to come back. And I never really trusted that. I, I, I really, I really didn't. And I think that that instinct that I had was correct. It is really hard to, to re, you know, like re-ramp if you leave. So I was doing a bit of consulting for startups. I was trying to kind of break into that world. I was thinking about VC. And while that was happening, the iPhone, the first iPhone came out and, you know, there you start having pictures and, you know, like the world was just changing with this new device. And, um, and as I shared, I had lost, you know, my mother who had been my best friend and she always gave me great and honest advice. And I remember sitting um, in a meeting one day thinking, oh my God, you know, lots of apps were being created at the time. And I was like, well, what if I could ask a question, attach a picture and poll a community about whether or not I should do that thing, whether or not I should wear that thing, whatever. So essentially I get the same feedback that my mother would have given me if she were alive, but instead it's like a crowd thing. So, you know, now I think it, it I mean, it's many, many years later. So um, it's uh, it's sort of like at this point, it's a feature, not a company, you know, and, and all of this sort of stuff, but this mashup of photographing and polling and, and then also experts was, um, well, things I felt like I, I, I felt like I knew all about the pieces. Um, and, and I really felt like I want to try to build this. And then also, um, actually to be very honest, while I was applying to jobs for, I'm going to call them internet companies. Cause that's what we called them <laughs> at the time. Um, I just wasn't getting them. Like I wasn't getting them. And I felt like they already had jumped over my age group to people like five years younger who didn't have kids yet. And they had already shipped product or they maybe were then working at Google on AdWords and they really understood digital marketing or things like that. And like, I'm not of that. That's not the experience base that I passed through. I I'm a little older than that. So, um, I made a decision that I'm like, you know, if I want to have experience shipping product, if I like the only way I can do, I can't wait for someone to give me the opportunity. Um, I need to make the opportunity. So that was when I'm like, you know what, if I take even like $10,000 of my own money and just build the product myself and ship it, then I'll have the experience. And, um, that was a, that was a radical, um, sort of shift. And so I was like, you know, worst case scenario, for this money, it's like, and I inherited a little bit of money from my parents. So that that's, I was sort of like, well, I could, you know, put a, add a mud room onto my house or I could, you know, build a, a product. And I, I felt like even if, so like, of course, I think it's going to be super successful and all of that, but even in the worst case, if it wildly fails, I will have had an experience that I hadn't had before. And I would have been a CEO and I would have gone through these experiences. And a lot of people at that moment in my peer group for sure thought that was nuts. But I thought it was completely logical. Uh, you know, so I think that's where that moment of dissonance between you know, you seeing something that doesn't seem as risky as it does to other people, that was that moment. And I think when you see that dissonance, you see an opportunity that other people are like kind of afraid of, but you're like, you have line of sight, go for it. Like, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, guess they'll, I'll pause there, but that's what happened um, with honestly now. And I'll, I'll tell you, it changed my life. And it wasn't even successful and it still changed my life, you know, cause it just put me into a whole other group of people, a whole other, you know, a lot of people respected the product that I shipped. It was the first of its kind. It was really clever, cool, fun. I developed a big community, you know, I, I 
gained skills in community development, which was a totally new field. It gave me a platform for creating the new kind of work that I so yearned to do. And the opportunities weren't coming to me directly. So I needed and to create it. You are an absolutely like brilliant human being. And I think that you, you see things way ahead of like the curve of it and like your foresight into the industry and your foresight into what people will be using is absolutely impeccable. And I think that if, I don't know, I think that scientists should study the way your brain works and hopefully replicate it for like, I don't know, but like that is, and like, I'm just so generous. I mean, just to be clear, like my husband will tell you my grasp of detail is like terrible. I have no like, recent memory of stuff you know I'm, I'm in that my mom used to always say that i was a daydreamer and so i'm i'm like planted a few years ahead but like the here and now not my strength so it, it it's a double-sided coin <laughs> i'm human no, no, well. no. as a fellow daydreamer i'm i'm just glad that they like could like like i'm hearing this and i think like it like like I think that it's absolutely, you made me speechless. I'm never speechless. I can talk a lot. So like, wow, like, but that's- I, I would say if you're a daydreamer, the best combination is to be a daydreamer who then can either build things or can sell things. If you could do one of those two things or even both, you could do it. But if you're a daydreamer and you can't sell or you're a daydreamer and you can't build, then it's just daydreams. All right. That's so, very, very good advice. And I think all fellow daydreamers at Penn, like, take note. This is like a PSA for you guys at the very least. And like, I, I definitely see like that, that connection of like all the many skills that you have, the passion, the, 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 the ability to look into the future and how that all culminate, like, culminates into you being someone that just zest and entrepreneurship spirit and i'm sure that like and, and i know from like like looking at the things you've done after that 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 didn't go unnoticed you became actually an entrepreneur in residence at microsoft which i'm going to be honest before i like like met you and like learned about and like heard your story i did not know that that was possible so like how well, a lot of that? people reached out to me and they're like how did you get a job as entrepreneur in residence and i was like well they reached out to me because they needed someone to lead startups and i was like this sounds like a really junior job. I'm not interested. And then they called me back. And then by that point, like I needed a job and my husband's like, you need to get something. So I reached them back and they're like, no, 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 we really, really want you because you have the corporate and you have the startup and you have, you know, you bring a whole lot of things together that we really want. And I was like, well, what about the title? They're like, you can print anything on your card that you want. I said, how about entrepreneur in residence? They're like, yep, that's totally fine. So when people ask me, how did you get that job? Or like, I'm trying to build a job and entre you know, I'm like, I made it up. Like I, 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 I mean, I didn't do end runs around people, but at the same time I was like, I had seen entrepreneurs and residents at venture capital firms. I wasn't ever crazy about that role. Like it, I felt it had a conflict it, it, yeah. it's okay not to go there, but I was like at a platform company, that actually can be a very powerful thing, like someone who has shipped product, who has sold, who, you know, and, and so it was the beginning of my building this thesis of if I talk to the CEO and figure out like, well, what are they trying to do to change the world? And are there assets and possibilities, secret weapons that I can bring to them that help them do that and beyond? Um, then that's like amazing, you know, and, um, and that's what it turned out. Um, it's been and so the last, you know, number of years have been just sort of moving around that um, needing the dough, if you will, of that, of that thesis and sort of moving with, uh, you know, now I'm doing the later stage companies with VCs, but I was doing earlier stage before, but it's, it's all the same sort of muscle motion. And at risk of overusing this, it seemed that you really not only changed reality and created a, a role for yourself, but you help others kind of like have that same change in their lives and their in the things that they want to do. Just I mean, I do it through them. Truly, it's it's almost like the change to me is an output of serving others who want to do awesome things and really thinking about what authentically would be awesome for them. And so 
I really, if I think that something must happen, you know, like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the world needs this future state. Believe me, like once that switches on, I'm like a, you know, a pit bull going after it. But in the pre-qualifying stages, actually, I'm, I'm quite, um, I don't want to say passive isn't the right word, but like, I, I really want to work and think very hard on it being the right thing for that CEO, you know, that it's, it's internalized to that. Like, it's like, if they lock into it, then they're going to do it no matter what. And then I happen to be someone that helps them do it. But if they're not owning it, I, I much prefer to walk away or just be like, Hey, let's, you know, let's reconvene in a quarter. Let's reconvene in a year. Um, and then we'll see what you've got and we'll see what I've got. And if we can, you know, like, I don't like to push artificial outcomes um, because I just, I, they tend not to support the long-term relationships that we really need and want to have. And the outcomes tend not to last. I, I think that's absolutely amazing. I, I really feel like this one episode is a disservice to all your experience because you should have a documentary made about you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not even lying. I feel like there's so many things I wanted to ask that I'd like, like, and now that the time is winding down, I'm like, oh no, I can't keep you here for much longer. But I definitely think that like, hopefully you come back on the show next year or some other time and blow our minds again. But as we wind down today's session, for all of those people who right now are aspiring to do something, mm -hmm entrepreneurs who are looking at changing the world like you mentioned or have something that they really love that they want to own but maybe they don't really like like see the potential or like see where they can get the resources to support that and all of that what's your advice to them so in the in in the Czech language with you know under communism there was a, a phrase called which was a subversive element <laughs> <laughs> so under communism, they'd be like, black person is a subversive element. You know, they're trying to subvert, you know, and in a way, like I've just, once I learned that phrase, I was like, I totally love it. And so I, I would tell people like, is there a way that you can subvert the current reality in a no cost way or in a, or just like on the sly or to hack or whatever, to learn something that you wouldn't have otherwise known or to test something that you otherwise wouldn't have known. Like it, there's, there's almost always something that you can do that is free and that, you know, some more people that you can talk to or, or whatever to kind of like hack at your unique understanding or your testing, you know, and you have to really have that curiosity and, 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 you know, in, um, indulge that curiosity. So I'd say like indulge your curiosity and look for ways to subvert um, recurrent state into almost trick the people around you into trying the other thing. And then they think they came up with it themselves. All right, all right. That's probably like like really good. I've never gotten that piece of advice before. And I do a lot of these shows. I love that. Like I'm I'm gonna print that out and like stick it as a quote on my wall. But like, all right, but that is well, really good. Yeah. And you've got to give me the right pronunciation and the right like um like the right like con like print out to say it in its original language. So like but absolutely amazing. And thank you so much for actually coming on our show and sharing like all of the amazing things that you've done and the things that like we can actually take away from this, I think is limitless. So like, I really do appreciate you being here and I feel our audience definitely feels the same way. And I can only hope you had as much as fun as I did listening to you. Oh, I, I appreciate it so much. And I, I just want to say to students from all disciplines, all, you know, different subjects, there's so much world to create. And I know these have been incredibly incredibly hard times with COVID and, and just everything that's been happening in the world. Um, but I really do believe that that chaos presents opportunities to try stuff out. And um, the world is not going to be what it is today. We know that for sure. So do try stuff like really, really 
really do it. It will grow you professionally, but also as a person. And we need you to shape the future. So just keep trying. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. And on behalf of our audience, I really, really think that um, as you change reality, hopefully we'll learn that and live in a better world and like, a, a world with a lot more creativity, a lot more innovation. And I think we all look forward to building that world together. So thank you so much. Thank you to our audience for listening in today's episode. And we are on Changing Reality. We're on every Thursday at 10 p.m. ET. See you guys again next week. Bye. You're listening to Changing Reality. Changing Reality, where we bend reality all across the world. Only on WQHS Radio. Thank you so much. That was Thank like, you. You're a great interviewer. Uh, 